Hallelujah. Ready for the word? Yes, sir. All right. Hope somebody says, let's say this together. Our Father, Our Father. in the name of your son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There is no confusion. There is no contradiction. In this atmosphere, everyone can behold you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified. And we are edified. Amen. Let there be light. Let's continue our series this morning on Let There Be Light. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Genesis 1. We're continuing our series this morning. Let there be light. Genesis 1. You ready? You know when you come to church, churches, Kenneth Egan said that uh, in, the, in the church, if the church had properly thought God's word, there will be no need for a Bible school. And I believe that strongly. That if people in church are properly taught, there will be no need for a Bible school. So when we come to church, we will come to learn God's word. Hallelujah. And I guess Sister Phil was telling us that this morning, as she was leading us in prayer, telling us that when we come to church, we come here to be strengthened. Hallelujah. We come here to be Having weaknesses in our lives is strengthening. Amen. 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 All right, Genesis 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It now says in verse 2, it now says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it now says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And I told us, I said, a lot of us had that mindset that when you read that place, it's like God just appeared in the sky. There was darkness all around. And God said, let there be light. And the ROG just turned on the light. No, that was not what was happening. Hallelujah. So when we read the scriptures, in, in studying the scriptures, there are key things you must understand in studying the scriptures. Because... The audience of the scriptures matters. The writer, the audience, and the text of the scriptures matters. In the sense that when I'm writing a letter to you, I'm writing and somebody has read the letter, the person is going to not understand what I said. It's just like saying, I'm writing a letter now and I'm saying, and I'm writing a letter to Sister Joy and I'm saying, Hey, Sister, um, I miss you. Let's talk about it later. And you read the letter you're going to have an issue with let's talk about it later. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because only I knows what it is, the it, right? Only I understand because that is how I'm communicating to her. So only I understand what is the it. So now you will have to study or probably go back to previous conversations or previous letters that me and Sister Joy has written before we can fully understand what we are saying, right? So before you can fully understand what the heat is saying. So when you are studying the scriptures, the scriptures is that you, you can find some complexity of certain things there. And one of the things we settled over the last two weeks is the issue of darkness. And we said darkness is a spiritual reality. I'm not sure you remember that. Yes. We said darkness is a spiritual reality. That darkness is not physical. So when it says darkness was upon the face of the deep, he wasn't talking about anything physical. He wasn't talking about a physical darkness. And we saw some scriptures. Let's go again. Look at it. John 8 verse 12. 
Let's let's do this quickly. John 8 verse 12. Let's let's check it. John 8 verse 12. Last week we were able to look at the Garden of Eden, right? Yes, sir. And I told you that it's a physical location. Yes, sir. Alright, look at it in John 8 verse 12. Let's just settle darkness. Then we'll walk people through it. I'm doing this for those of you that have missed service so that you don't get lost today. Amen. So I'm trying to do I think I have quite some recap to do this morning. Alright, look at it, John 8 verse 12. It says, are you there? I'll wait for you. You should be there now. Alright, in John 8 verse 12 it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the light of life. He that followeth me shall not walk in what? In darkness, but shall have the light of life. So that's to let you know that darkness is a spiritual reality. Darkness is not physical. Now look at in Ephesians 5. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 verse 8. Ephesians 5 verse 8. Ephesians 5 verse 8. Ephesians 5 verse 8. Are you there? You should be there. Are you there? He says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but he now says, what, what is happening? But now ye are light in the Lord. Walk therefore as children of light. So he says, but you were sometimes darkness. So that's to let you know that darkness there is a spiritual reality. It is not physical. Are you seeing it now? Now look at the First Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5. Go to First Thessalonians 5. So understanding the scriptures is very key. It's very key to your learning. Because a lot of us have grown up with that means that uh, when you read Genesis 1, there was just a black surface. God just appeared from nowhere and just said, Oh, let there be light. And there was light. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's not what he's saying. So look at it in 1 Thessalonians 5. This. Let's, see, let's look at it in verse 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. Are we there? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5. Are we there? Yes, you don't respond. Are yes, we there? Sir. Yes, sir. It says, Ye are children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So he's using darkness there as a state. Are you seeing it now? So darkness is a state. Darkness is not physical. Look at in 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. 1 1st John 1 1st John 1 1st John 1 verse 6 1st John 1 verse 6 Are we there? Yes sir. It says if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness will lie and do not the truth. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. So darkness is not physical. Are you seeing it? Look at the first John 2. Look at first John 2. Look at first John 2, verse 8. Look at first John 2, verse 8. You should be there, right? He says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true of him and in you. Because darkness is past, and the true light now what shineth. 
In verse 9, it now says, He that seeth is the light, he is in the light, and atheth his brother, he is in darkness unto now. In verse 10, it now says, He that loveth his brother, abideth in the light, and there is no location of stumbling for him. In verse 11, it now says, He that hated his brother is in what? Darkness. 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 So are you saying that darkness is not physical? So darkness throughout the scriptures cannot be physical. And look at in 2 Thessalonians, um, 2 Corinthians, sorry. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. Now I'm going to explain certain things to you this morning so that it will make sense to you. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Let's start from verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. You have to get used to opening the scripture. Say amen. amen. Alright. I like that flipping of pages. I like it. Alright, look at it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. With there, huh? Yes, Alright, it says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. In verse 5, it now says, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and yourselves, and ourselves, your servant for Jesus' sake. In verse 6, it now says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Hallelujah. So that shows to us that darkness in Genesis 1 cannot be physical. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Now, let's, get, let's do a run through. The scriptures, the first five books of the scriptures was written by Moses. Now, Moses was the originator of the languages that we use in the scriptures. Now, some, 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 some fact that you should know is that in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, while the New Testament is written in Greek. Now, the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, now we can say Old Testament and all of those things, which is written in Hebrew, the first person to document things properly for us, documented it effectively in Hebrew. Now, and he gave us certain descriptions and certain words, just like, heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So that is why you will see certain languages in the scriptures. You will see light and darkness in the scripture, right? We just went through light and darkness now, right? We will see heaven and earth. You will see morning and evening. You will see day and night. Those are Moses' terminology. Are you getting what I'm saying? Those are Moses' terminology to explain spiritual realities because his audience could not understand. So if I was talking to a child and, you know, I was explaining something in the Bible seminar yesterday and I said, in the 1950, if I say I'm going to send you a mail, you know, it's two things now. In the 1950, it's going to be written and sent to a post office, and from a post office, it's going to be delivered to the house, right? But in 2023, if I say I'm sending you a mail, you are expecting sent from my iPhone, right? So that's to let you know that languages have changed, but the reality of the words is still the same. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you get it to this point, let me see your hands. All right, so now with the scriptures, Time has passed. When Moses wrote Genesis 1, it's not the same time Paul was writing in Ephesians. So time has passed. 
but the same statement is still being used to communicate the reality. You will see a statement like rest. Some of you think in Genesis 1 when it says, and the Lord rested on the seventh day, it means he went to sleep. No. It is a spiritual reality. Go to Hebrews 4. Go to Hebrews 4. Go to Hebrews 4. Let's go there. Let's go to Hebrews 4 verse 1. Are we there? Yes, sir. You should be there. Look at Hebrews 4 verse 1. He says, he says are you there, guys? Yes, he says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left for us, entering into his what? His rest. Now, he's using that same rest of Genesis 1. So that's to let you know, you will find slants of different language that you've seen in Genesis. And you will see it being repeated all throughout the scriptures, but still communicating the same truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when he's saying in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I explained to us in the last two sessions that we had, and I said, heaven and earth simply means the material world and the immaterial world. I don't know if you remember that. So, God created the physical world and the immaterial world. Now, we have seen darkness. That darkness is not physical. Are you getting what I'm saying? God is not doing um, playing ping pong with us by saying, oh, you know, many of us, we grew up with that um, fallacy of, oh, there was just a day. The, spirit, the water was just moving. God just appeared from nowhere. And he just said, let there be light. And everything, everywhere just... Like, I mean, I, I've been asking this since last time. How many of you had that thought growing up? Let me see your hand. That is not true. Moses is not trying to, Moses is not trying to, uh, to play games with us. It was because of the audience that Moses, Moses had, that was why he communicated that way. Now, who was Moses' audience? If you have read Genesis, you will see Moses' audience. In Genesis, when you see Joseph's story and how Joseph was in Egypt, I don't know if you remember that, and the 12 brothers came to Egypt to come and beg for food from, most, from um, Joseph. I don't know if you remember that story. All right. Now, when they came to beg, they didn't leave Egypt. Just like, let's use, for instance, if we are Africans now, or if we are blacks, let's use the word blacks now, and we were sheep. Let's say we were not sheep through slave trade and all of those things. Let's say we came here normally, and we came to the United States normally, and by staying in the United States, they said, okay, we are not living again. They are turning us to slaves and all of those things. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, though. So I'm just giving an instance. So, but they didn't leave Egypt. So they were trapped in Egypt years after years, years after years, years after years. And Moses came, and Moses said, let my people go. So those guys that he rescued from Pharaoh were his audience. Now, those guys were not learned, right? Because they were used to slave trade. They were used to holding bricks. They were used to carrying walls. They were used to building the whole of Egypt. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you remember the story very well in Exodus. That was what was happening. So those guys were not learned. So he is going to communicate to them in a language that they understand. 
That is why you will see him using the word serpent. And the serpent was more subtle than the beast of any field. And many people think that the serpent was speaking. No. That is why he used the word garden of Eden. And I explained to us last week that the garden of Eden was a physical place. It's just like saying, um, what is the most beautiful place? We agreed that the most beautiful place in the U.S. is like California, right? Or Las Vegas. And it's like saying, look at what is happening in Las Vegas. God planted two guys there and those two guys disobeyed my word. Are you getting what I'm saying? That was what was happening. I explained this. You should lay your hands on, on the two last... Um, it's, it's, on, it's on our SoundCloud. You should lay your hands on the two sessions we did last week and two weeks ago. So, so, there is a way to communicate in the scriptures. There is a way the scriptures was written that you need to understand. Now, I want to take a, a closer, let's take a pl- closer look at Genesis again. When it says, in the beginning. In the beginning refers to a dateless past. It refers to a timeless period. So, when it says, in the beginning. Let's go back to our Genesis 1. Don't forget, we are studying, let there be light. So, we are trying to unravel what happened in Genesis. Hallelujah. So, when it says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So when he says in the beginning there, in the beginning means a dateless past. That is a timeless period. And this information is relevant because Moses was to present the fact that this is how the world began. So now he now says God created heaven and earth. That is, now, and I told you, I said heaven and earth is not the sky. I explained to you that heaven and earth cannot be the sky. Heaven is not in the sky. Stop thinking when you look up, heaven is up. No, heaven is not there. Stop thinking when you under. I remember when we were much younger, if anything fall down, they would say, don't touch it. You don't touch it. The devil has eaten it. I remember they told you those things when you were younger. That if anything fall down on the floor, the devil has eaten it because anything that is going down is going to have fire. <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's not true. So, if, because if you see verse 6, look at verse 6. It says, let there be, and God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. In verse 7, it says, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from under the waters and we are above the firmament and it was so. It now says in verse 8, it says, God called the firmament heaven. So now look at it. So that firmament is the sky. Now, and in the ancient Near Eastern culture, they believe that looking up, mountains are heavens. That is what they call it. So if they say, I am going to the mountain, that's why you see a lot of mountain descriptions in the Old Testament that Moses spent 40 days in the mountain. This person is going to the mountain. Anything that is above them, they see it as heaven. That is their culture. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because culture is not lost in the writing of the scriptures. Human being like you wrote it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, let me give you an instance. I don't know how much you are vast with reading, but I don't know if you know this writer, Chimamanda Igozi Adichie. I don't know if you know this writer. I don't know if you read that book. Okay, good. Now, this woman is an, is an internationally acclaimed writer, and despite her international recognition, She's still more keen on writing about African culture. But she is more experienced with writing about Africans. 
and portraying it in a light that the Western world will understand. If you have read the book Popo Abiscus, she write, she wrote so much that you will you will just see the story so good, but a human being wrote it. If you've watched How to Get Away with Mother, I'm not sure if you've watched How to Get Away with Mother. Let me see. How to Get Away with Mother. Shonda Rhimes, right? Shonda Rhimes wrote that movie. And one of the things you have to think is what is Shonda Rhimes writing? You know, if you first see How to Get Away with Mother, the first thought that will come to your mind is, wow, I need to go and learn how I will kill someone and run away, right? That's the first thought that will come to your mind. But is that what the movie is all about? No. So it's like a description of certain things to catch the attention of the audience, but they are communicating the truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, the same thing with Moses is audience needed to understand. If Moses knew that in 2023, I will be teaching from his writings, he would have probably written better. We'll explain all of those things later, how the writings and all of those things are gathered together. That is God's providence. If Paul knew that the letter he wrote to Ephesus, you and I would be reading, right, reading it today, he would have probably written more. Hallelujah. He would have written more because the letters were not written for you. They were audience specific. So when he's talking to his audience, don't forget who are that is audience. Those guys that he took out from Egypt. He is now preaching to them in the wilderness before they get to the promised land. Hallelujah. That is where he's teaching sermons. We're hell. So now, when he's explaining heaven to those guys, he's explaining something on top. He's explaining the sky. When he's explaining the earth to them, he's explaining the floor, where they can see, where they can plant things. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is their own culture. Now, look at, I was showing them something. Look at in Genesis 49. Let's, re- let's look at something in Genesis 49. Or Genesis 34, sorry. Not 49. No, is it 34? Uh, I'm trying to look for it. I showed them yesterday. Where I said Ju- J- um, Joseph Messis. Um, for the three? Okay, let's go to Genesis for the three, verse 34. Genesis for the three, verse 34. Let's read it together. All of us read it together. Genesis for the three, verse 34. Genesis for the three, verse 34. Are we there? Let's, I'll wait for you. Genesis for the three, verse 34. With that, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. And he took and sent messages unto them from before him. But they never finished us five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and they were very with him. Now, if you were an African or if you were a normal person, when they say somebody sent messages, what does it mean? Far? Yeah, right? So now, can they transport fat? <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? That means they are talking about something that deals with their culture. Are you getting what I'm saying? They are talking about something that they, but in our own culture now, mess now refers to fat. How is so you know 
if you want to bring a mystery, if I was that kind of preacher now that brings mystery, I'll just tell you, guys, today's service we're studying the mystery of the mess. Why you should mess. And if you mess, uh, your mess is going to be five times greater, you know. And I'll tell you, I'll just tell you, mess is a sign of good living. Mess is a this, mess is a that. No scripture, just one scripture I'll show you. Mess is a this, mess is a that. So brethren, you have to mess. So now let's start messing in service. Let's just start. You know, that's how people do it. You know, a lot of people think the five stones that David threw on Goliath means Jesus. They say J-E-S-U-S. I remember I've heard that story before. That, that story before. They say the five stones is Jesus. That is not Jesus. How will stone be a Jesus? In the Hebrew, Jesus means Yeshua or Joshua. So, the, so if they were to call Jesus in their time, it is J-E-Y-E-S-U-H-A. Six. So how did that five stones? So then I said, guys, the mystery of the stone. If you can just fling a stone, so bring a stone from your house while coming to service. How many have done those things before? You brought sand from your house while coming to service so that the man of God can pray for you and you don't have to put the sand back. <laughs> I remember a time the, we went for one service, me and Favor, we went there. And <laughs> the, the, the man of God told us to bring belt. We should bring our belt or we should bring cane. Like we should pluck a stick and bring it and bring it to service. That we need to beat our enemies. So everybody picked their shears. We want to flog the enemy today. So everybody started flogging. Flog it! The thing that paid me the most was that the man of God did not flog. He was just conducting us and putting his hand in the Flog it! Flog it! Flog your enemy! So everybody was flogging. Jim, everybody was doing Jim in this service. Then I told us when we were done, pack it, pack the enemies, pack it. So I was sharing this with another man of God, and the man of God said, probably they don't used to sweep in your church. Because if people are really sweeping in church, they will not tell you to bring broom and packer to also pack the enemies. So it means, so you're not being packed, so they pack the enemy, make sure it is not, make sure there is nothing left. Everybody was packing. <laughs> Ignorance. I tell people, I say, many people drop their brains before they come to church, and after they get, when they leave the service, they pick up the brains back. So when they deceive them very well, they just say, wow. And these are educated guys. They say, wow. How, how does that make sense? That you are flogging your enemy? How? Flogging, how do you flog spirits? How? But you know, I, I'm not saying something that happens somewhere in Indiana. This same America. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So understanding the scriptures is very key. Tell your neighbors, you understand the scripture. Understanding the scripture is very key. It's very key. Because if you don't understand the scriptures, you are going to be deceived. If you don't, you are going to be deceived. In Genesis 1, it says, so we, we studied that heaven and earth. If you look at in Genesis 28, verse 12, look at Genesis 28, verse 12. Genesis 28, verse 12. It says, and he dreamed. And behold, the ladder set up on the earth, and the top reached to heaven. Hope you know there was there is no ladder that can reach to heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
Look at it in that verse, Genesis 28 verse 12. It says, He dreamed and built a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Do you know that there is no ladder that can reach heaven? Because heaven is not physical. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what does that mean? It means the ladder went high. Are you seeing how they describe things now? Are you guys seeing how they describe things yes, in the scripture? Sir. Now, look at in verse 18. Look at in verse 18 of that same place. Look at in verse 18. Or let's start from verse 17. It says, He was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is not order but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Now tell me, can they see a physical gate of heaven? Yes, sir. No. No. Look at in Exodus 28. Exodus 20, sorry. Exodus 20. Verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Let's start from, let's, let's look at in verse 11. It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and earth and the sea and all of them that is. And rested at the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and honored it. He used the word heaven and earth. So, he was explaining Genesis again. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 36. Deuteronomy 4, verse 36. Because it's the same writer that is writing this. Deuteronomy 4, verse 36. He says, out of heaven, he made thee to hear his voice. So that is... If they hear a voice from out of space, they will call it heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, heaven has become an immaterial world or you can describe heaven as the sky. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? But does that mean heaven is in the sky? No. Is it making sense? Alright, good. Now, let's go back to our Garden of Eden as we were studying last week. So that we'll, we'll pick it up from there and we'll go back to our Genesis 1. Now, let's see. We're looking at the Garden of Eden and we said that it is physical, right? Yes, sir. Let's go there. Let's see. Let's go to Genesis 2. Let's go to Genesis 2. It says, And a river went out of Eden, verse 10. Genesis 2, verse 10. It says, a river went out of Eden, or let's start from verse 8. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man he formed. It now says, and out of every ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, the tree for food, the tree of life, and is also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. In verse 10, it now says, and a river went out of Eden, to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and it became into four heads. In verse 11, it says, The first one is Pishon, that is, that this which passed the old land of Avila, where there is gold. And we said, we, we looked at Pishon, and we saw that land. Look at, uh, and we said, Avila, it says, a land of Avila. Look at in Genesis 25, verse 28. Genesis 25, verse 28. I'm trying to do a recap quickly for those that have not been in service so that when I start talking, you don't lose me. Look at Genesis 25 verse 18. Genesis 25 verse 18. It says, And they dwelt from Avila unto shore, that is Egypt, as thou goest to Assyria, and they died in the presence of the brethren. 
He used the word Avila again. Are you seeing it? So it's a physical location. If it can be traced, it means it's a physical location. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now look at in 1 Samuel 15 verse 7. 1 Samuel 15 verse 7. 1 Samuel 15 verse 7. Should write all of these scriptures down so you can go home and check it more. 1 Samuel 15 verse 7. And so smote the Amalekites from Avila unto thou comest from shore that is over against what? Egypt. So he used the word Avila there, a physical location. Are you seeing it, guys? Now, let's go back to our second, our Genesis 2. Let's go back to our Genesis 2. Let's go back there. So let's see another land. Because, so now we can simply say, Eden, Avila is beside Eden, right? Because, just like how there's Rochester in the middle, there is Buffalo, there is Syracuse, right? There is Bactiva, there is all of those cities around. So if it can be traced, it means the place is physical. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it's majorly what Moses was doing, he was using a physical location to communicate a spiritual reality. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now look at in verse 12, Genesis 2 verse 12. It says, and the gold of that land is good. There was Babylon, there was oil stone. So that shows that that land where they are is a place where a lot of things are happening. Good place where there is gold, there is everything. It says the second river is Gion, the same that encompasses the land of Ethiopia. Look at in 2 Kings 19, verse 9. Let's trace Ethiopia now. 2 Kings 19, 9. Let's just do this quickly. You can lay your hands on last week's sermon. I will not go to most scriptures today. You can lay your hands on last week's sermon and um, you will see. 2 Kings 19, 9. 2 Kings 19, verse 9. Are we there? Yes, you should be there. 2 Kings 19, 9. You're there, right? Yes, sir. He says, And when they heard say, When they heard, he said, uh, And when he heard say, Of Thika, the king of Ethiopia, Behold, he's come to fight against thee. So if there is a king of that place, it means it's a physical location. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it, guys? Yes, All right. Look at it. Esther 1 verse 1. Esther 1 1. Esther 1 1. I'll just show you two scriptures. and lay your hands on last week, Samuel. We opened quite some scriptures last week. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> Esther 1 verse 1. You should be there now. Are we there? Yes, Esther 1 verse 1. You should be there, right? Yes. It says, Now it came to pass in the days of Asherah, this is Asherah, which reigned from India even unto where? Ethiopia. So Ethiopia is a physical location and that traces the Garden of Eden. Are you seeing it now, guys? Alright, let's go back to our Genesis 2. Let's go and see another land. Let's go back to Genesis 2. Let's see verse 14 now. Genesis 2. So we've seen verse 11, Avila, right? We've seen verse 12. We've seen verse 13 now. Ethiopia. We've seen now. Let's look at verse 14. And the third river is Ikidel. It says, that which goes to the east of Assyria, that is the fourth river, is Euphrates. Now, let's look at Assyria. Genesis 25 verse 18. Genesis 25 verse 18. Genesis 25 verse 18. Are we there? Yes, it says, and they dwell from Avila unto shore, that is before Egypt, that thou goest towards Assyria, 
and died in the presence of the brethren. Now let's look at 2 Kings 15 19. 2 Kings 15 19. Are you seeing that the scripture explains the scriptures? Guys, are you seeing it? Because I've told you the language of the scriptures is the same. That's why you will keep seeing light, darkness, day, morning, um, promise. You will, see, you, you will see the word promise. You will see the word covenant. It has been since Genesis. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So you and if you miss it in Genesis, you are going to miss it throughout the entire scriptures. If you miss it in Genesis, you are missing it throughout the entire. If you are taught in Genesis one that light and darkness was physical, you will miss the entire narrative of the scriptures. Are you seeing it, guys? Because if you miss that heaven and earth is the sky and all of those things, you will miss the word heaven and earth throughout the entire scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, Genesis is very fundamental to our Christian faith. Because if you miss it in Genesis, you are going to have a lot of issues in the scriptures. You are going to. Look at how we are studying Garden of Eden. Man, a lot of people believe that that place does not exist. It's one spiritual place. Okay, one mystery happened. No. It is a place. It's just like saying he was giving them an imagery of a place. Telling them that there was a day Two people were in Paris. Let's use Paris for instance. And Paris, those two guys, God planted them in Paris. And they were, so many people think that they were eating apple, they were eating tree, they were eating this. No. We are going to study it. They were not eating any tree. They were not eating any fruit. It was an imagery of certain things. And if you miss the word trees, which we're going to study here this morning, if you miss the word trees in Genesis, if you see trees throughout the entire scriptures, you will keep thinking it's a physical fruit. If you miss everything that Moses said, because every other writer I told you that Moses is the fundamental writer of the scriptures. So every other writer was writing from Moses. They picked their vocabulary. So the role of a Bible preacher is an interpreter. Meaning that every preacher of the scripture today is interpreting something. Just like Joshua. He will tell you this book of the law shall not depart out of their mouth. What is the law? What Moses has written. So he is interpreting what Moses has said. The Psalms, when you start reading Psalms and Proverbs, and we are looking at trees now, and we are looking at all of those things, they are interpreting from what Moses has written. So it's like saying, you know, if I was preaching, let's say in, 20, in 2000, year 2000, I will not be using iPhone to communicate, right? I won't, iPhone will not be in my description, right? Um, 58 inches TV will not be in my descriptions, right? Um... What else? Electric cars, Tesla, will not be in my descriptions. Now imagine how they will be preaching in 2050. So it's to let you know that the world will change, but the truth of the scripture will not change. So we will just keep interpreting the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? So every preacher, including Jesus, was interpreting something. That's why Jesus said, he says, he says, search the scriptures, 
For in them you think you have eternal life. John 5 verse 39. He says, But I have come that I may. It's, look at John 5 verse 39. Put your hands in this place that we are putting on. Go to John 5 verse 39. John 5 verse 39. Look at John 5 verse 39. It says, Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify on me. Now, what is the scriptures? Genesis to Malachi. Are you seeing it now, guys? Genesis to Malachi was testifying of Jesus. So, there was nothing that you read. That is why I'm coming to something. Let's look at this um, 2 Kings first. I want to explain something to you. Look at 2 Kings. Verse, what did I say? Verse 15? Chapter 15 to 19. Verse 19. 2 Kings 15, 19. Let's, are we there now? Just put your hands there. Let's quickly see it and settle this. It now says, and Paul, the king of Assyria, came against the land. Against the land. So are you seeing that Assyria now is a physical place? Are you seeing it, guys? Yes. So now, that means that... Now, let's just look at another description of Eden. Look at 2 Kings 19.12. 2 Kings 19.12. 2 Kings 19.12. 2 Kings 19 verse 12. You should be there. 2 Kings 19.12. Are you there? He says, Have the gods of the nation delivered them, which my father has destroyed, and Aaron and Rishred, and the children of what? Eden. The children of what? Eden. So that means they were, they were, that means people can claim, just like you can claim, I'm a, I'm a native of Rochester, right? You can claim I'm from Eden. Children of Eden. Look at in Isaiah 37 verse 12. Isaiah 37 verse 12. Isaiah 37 verse 12. Isaiah 37 verse 12. Are you there? I'll wait for you. I like that flipping of pages. I like it. Isaiah 37 verse 12. Are you there? Yes, sir. It says, Have the ghosts of the nations delivered them, which my fathers has destroyed to Gozam, Aaron, and with and the children of what? Eden. Eden. So that means they were from a particular place. Look at Genesis 4 verse 16. Let's go back there. Let's go back to Genesis and see Genesis 4 verse 16. Genesis 4 16. You should be there. Genesis 4 16. Are you there? Genesis 4 16. It says, And Cain went out of the presence of the Lord, and dwell in the land on the east of where? Eden. Just like we have east of Rochester, right? That is what was happening. So it's a physical place. Are you seeing it, guys? So that shows that Eden was a place that was known in history in their world. Are you getting what I'm saying? So Moses was teaching them, just like I will teach you and use something you will understand to communicate to you. You know, if I use a fax machine now to explain to you, or let's say a typewriter to explain things to you, many of you are not used to typewriters. But I remember when we were much younger, I saw typewriter, I wrote with typewriter, but it's not common in our today's world again, right? Now, so that means if I want to communicate to you, I'm going to say, I'm going to use a MacBook, I'm going to use an HP laptop, right? I'm going to use something you can relate to it to communicate to you. So that was what Moses was doing. 
he used Eden. So, he, what was Eden? Eden was a place known in history to be a very beautiful place. To be a very lovely place. We just saw it where it says there was a land of gold. And all of those things were inside. So, he was telling us and saying, God planted two people in that place. Are you getting what I'm saying? He says, God planted two people in that place, in Eden. So, now that means... If does that mean that that place exists? Yes, it exists. Does that mean that two men were really there? We are going to study it much later because he was using an imagery to explain to them, just like I will use an imagery of a story to explain something to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just like I will use an electric car now to communicate something to you, but does that mean that something was going on with the electric car? No. I'm just giving you an explanation of a truth of something that happened. Because don't forget, Moses was born in Exodus 2. He was not there in Genesis. So if he is going to teach them what happened in Genesis, he is going to communicate what they can relate with to make them understand. I don't know if you get it to this point. So that shows when we read the scriptures, if you miss it in Genesis, you are going to miss it throughout the scriptures. If you miss it in the first Old Testament book, the first 37 books, you are going to miss it in Matthew to Revelations. You are going to. Look at it in Matthew 1. Let's go to Matthew 1. Let's go to Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. Let's go there. So, he says, this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. He now started something for us. Look at what Matthew was doing. Matthew was summarizing the whole of the 36 books. Meaning, if you have not read it, go back and read it. Or else you will not understand this. So, if he's, he's telling us this began, this, this began, this, this began, this, this began. And when you get to, Genesis, when you get to verse 16, he now says, And Jacob began Joseph, the husband of Mary. Who was born Jesus, who is called Christ? Look at how he traced it. He traced it from Genesis. Now, if you start reading where something begat, begat, that was Genesis 5. What is Matthew trying to tell you? Go back and read it. Or else you will not understand this. Are you getting what I'm saying? So many of them now started writing in short form. Look at Matthew 2. Because a lot of people say, I've read the New Testament. I've read everything and they don't understand. Look at in Matthew 2. Let's look at in verse 15, Matthew 2, verse 15. It says, It says, And there unto his death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Now, if if you do not read, now let's go to put your hands here and let's go to Hosea 11 1. Hosea 11. Put your hands there and let's go to Hosea 11 1. Hosea 11 verse 1. Just put your hands in that Matthew 2 and let's go to Hosea 11 1. Are you there? Hosea. He says, When is. You should be there, right? I'll wait for you. Hosea 11 verse 1. You should be there, right? Huh? All right, good. It says, when Israel was, born, was a child, 
Then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now, look at what he was saying in, in, in Matthew 2, verse 15. Matthew 2, verse 15. He says, out of Egypt. He says, this and dear the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying. Now, you know they did not tell you the prophet here. Guys, in Matthew 2, verse 15, you know they didn't mention the name of the prophet that said it. Guys, right? Yes. Now, that shows they expected that you would have read these 37 books. You would have read the Old Testament so that you will understand. So that when you are now reading in Matthew, you are saying, Oh, what Oziah said is now coming to pass. Are you seeing it now, guys? That is why you will keep seeing as it was said, as it was said, they cannot write it for you because they expected that you have the document in your hands. Go and read it. So that means if you have missed the explanation or the understanding of the Old Testament. Do you know you cannot understand the new? I don't even get to what I'm saying. Look at, let's look at another example. Let's see in that same Matthew 2. Let's see in that same Matthew 2. Let's look at another example. He says, look at in verse... Uh, let's look at in verse 17. Matthew 2 verse 17. He says that then was fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet saying in Rama. Jeremy the prophet said in Rama, there heard a voice, um, there, there a voice heard lamentation, weeping and mourning, gracious weeping for our children, and would not be comforted because they are not. Now look at in Jeremiah 31 verse 15. Look at Jeremiah 31 verse 15. It says, Thus said the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and a bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refused to be comforted of her children because they were not. Are you seeing the same thing now, guys? Now, you would think, let me tell you something. You would think by just reading, um, this was fulfilled to be this, this and that, you understand. No, you did not do. You did not understand. You have to understand what Jeremiah said. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Guys, are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. You have to have understood what Jeremiah said for you to understand what Matthew is really saying. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? If you get into this point, let me see your hands. Alright, good. So, that is how to study the scripture. So, if you have missed it in the explanation of Moses, you are going to miss it all true. You are going to miss it all true. So, now let's go back to our Genesis 1. I think we've had a good ride, right? Yes, we've, we've, we've been able to see the scripture, right? Yes, so we are, in, we are in one accord now, right? Yes, sir. All right, good. So we already said in Genesis 1 that darkness is not what? Physical, right? Yes, I don't know if you agree now. Let me see your heads. Good. Light is not physical, right? Yes, All right. So it says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. What does it mean by that? It means that darkness is the state of a man. A man that has not known the gospel. A man that has not believed the gospel. Darkness is what he is talking about. That is the state. It is a spiritual reality. So, we were somewhere. So, he says, he now says, And the Spirit of God said, And we said that was Spirit of God is Elohim Ruach, And he was speaking about the voice. 
We explained that you can lay your hands in, in two, two weeks ago, um, sermons. You will understand that. Now, let's go back to our Genesis 3. We started something last week and we're in Genesis 3. And we're trying to trace what is said when he says uh, um, in verse 22. Let's look at Genesis 22, 3 verse 22. We're looking at the voice. He says, And the Lord said, Behold, the man has now become like us, to know good and evil, lest he put forth his hands, and the tree of life live forever. And we explained that we said that when we hear his voice, that voice now keeps us. We said the voice of the gospel. Now, just to explain it so that everybody will be in one accord again, just to explain it so I will be one accord. Look at in Genesis 3, verse 8. Look at Genesis 3, verse 8. Let's quickly do a wrong through again, I think, so that you don't, you don't miss what we are trying to explain this morning. Genesis 3, verse 8. Are you there? It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord, God, walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. He says, And God called unto Adam and said, We are thou. In verse 10, he says, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. He says, I heard thy voice. The same way we said in Genesis 1, he says, And God said, Let there be light. And we explained, we said last week, because lay your hands on the sermon, we said, God's first word. God's first utterance was light. So when he says they heard his voice and they eat themselves, he says they heard God in verse 8. Look at what they said in verse 8. He says, and they heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day. And Adam hid himself from that voice. And we explained what the voice means. Let's go through two texts of scriptures just so that so that you understand. You can lay us, we went through a lot of scriptures. So that you can you can get it. Now look at it in Exodus 4 verse 1. Exodus 4 verse 1. Because it's the same right now. So look at it in Exodus 4 verse 1. You can lay your hands on last week and two weeks ago, Samuel. We explained everything, the voice properly, and all of those things. It says that Moses said. Moses answered and said, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to what? My voice. They will not hearken to my voice. Look at in Deuteronomy 8, verse 20. Deuteronomy 8, verse 20. I trust God for illumination for you this morning. Look at it. It says, as the nations, are you there? I'll wait for you. Yes, the Deuteronomy 820, are you there? Yes, it says, as the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish. Because ye would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your what? Your God. Is that synonymous to what was happening in Genesis 3? They heard his voice and they hid themselves. Now let me show you another one. Look at in Deuteronomy 13 verse 4. Deuteronomy 13, verse 4. It says, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and keep his commandments and do what? Obey his what? His voice. 
and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. You shall obey his voice. Look at in Deuteronomy 30 verse 2 quickly. We are still doing a recap. This is why it's good to be in church on every Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that we'll just keep flowing. <laughs> Genesis, Deuteronomy 32 verse, 30 verse 2. And thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God and to what? Obey his voice. And to do what? Obey, Obey his, his voice. voice. So, we said, what did Adam do? Adam and Eve did not obey his voice. Meaning, they didn't believe what the voice said. And that was light. That was the utterance. They didn't believe the gospel. They didn't believe the spirit. So stop thinking it was a fruit. No. It says, I heard thy voice and I hid myself. Remember, we saw in Deuteronomy 4 where it says, if you don't believe me and hearken to my voice, you will perish. That was what was happening to them. They heeded to the voice of the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? They heeded to the voice of the devil. If you read in, um, if you read, uh, it says, it says, look at what, uh, look at in verse 13. It says, the Lord said to the woman, what is this? Genesis 3 verse 13. What is this? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. I'm going to explain those eating and the fruit for you this morning. Now, so it means that to hearken to the voice of the Lord is life. To hearken to the voice of the devil is darkness, is death. Are you getting what I'm saying? You should lay your hands on last week's sermon, you will understand it. So it means that what Adam did was that they disobeyed the voice of the Lord. And what was that voice? And that means any man who disobeys the voice of God is going to be in darkness. But a man who believes the voice, who has obeyed the voice, is in the light. That is why it says our popular scriptures, John 3 verse 16, he that believes in me. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will see in John 10, my sheep, look at, let's go to John 10, let's go to John 10, quickly, quickly. John 10, quickly. Look at it, John 10 verse 27. John 10 27. You should be there now. John 10, 27. Are you understanding this, guys? Yes, sir. John 10, 27. It says, my sheep. You should be there, right? Huh? Yes, sir. Right, guys? Yes, sir. It says, my sheep does what? Hear my voice. Hear my voice. I know them and they do what? Follow me. Look at what he now says in verse 8. You know they say colon. It means the statement is not ended, right? Yes, sir. Right, guys? Yes, sir. English today, all right. He now says, and I give unto them what? Eternal life. And they shall never what? Perish. And what, what did he say? He said no man shall do what? Pluck them out. He used pluck of that fruit. Pluck, fruit. That was in Genesis. No man will pluck them out of man. Meaning, the serpent will not beguile them. Are you seeing it, guys? So he says, my sheep hear my voice. So that means any man who has believed the gospel have heard his voice. But if you refuse his voice, you have followed the voice of the devil. So any man today who walks upon the street, who is on the street, 
and did not hear that voice, it means they are going to perish. That was what happened to Adam and Eve. They heard God's voice. What was the voice? The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to explain it to you very soon. And they decided not to follow. It was a deliberate decision. Just like how somebody would say, I want to be an atheist. A deliberate decision. Somebody would say, I want to be an agnostic. A deliberate decision. They were not... See, let me tell you. They heard the voice. So when we are preaching, just like I'm preaching to you now, you are hearing my voice. You know, some of you that, if you listen to our audio or SoundCloud and all of those things, and I'm at home, right? You Sometimes you can hear me say, now stand up and pray. This and that and that. What is happening? You are still hearing my voice there. Are you hearing what? Are you getting what I'm saying? It is being transmitted, right? Now, so it means that if you obey, stand up and pray that I said on an audio, and you do it, what happened? You obey the voice, right? But if you disobeyed the stand up and pray, dear, you disobeyed, right? Everybody knows the talk. They say, oh, it means if I play around you now, and they say, pray, I don't want to do that one. <laughs> now, but what was happening? It means that Adam disobeyed the voice. So Moses explained to us, laying hands on two weeks ago, someone last week. It means if you act into my voice, you have life. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Meaning, we are Christ's sheep today. Hallelujah. Because we have heard his voice. Glory to God. We have heard his voice. So, any man who has believed the gospel, and you see that he still the same thing that happened in the garden. So, now we can bring it to our today's world. God planted Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. We can say, you are planted in Rochester, right? Yes, sir. And what is happening? You have to hear his voice. So if you hear his voice, you have believed the gospel. Are you seeing it? Now that means if you preach the gospel to somebody, what is happening? They are hearing God's voice. And that's the light. So when he says, and God said, let there be light. We are coming there. Hallelujah. Amen. So are you are you following me now? So now let's go now. Let's go, let's go on the journey quickly. Let's explain Genesis 3. When he says, and he drove them out of the garden. He says, he sent them forth. Look at in verse, in verse 23, Genesis 3, verse 23. Let's look at that. He says, therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. In verse 24, he now says, and he drove the man and placed, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and flaming swords which turn every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, let's explain that. In verse 24, he says, he drove out, he sent them forth. Now, that means, that sending forth means the consequences of their actions. Meaning, if you do not believe, you are are sent forth. You can't stay in the garden again. There's nothing you are doing. You do not believe. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, in verse 24, he says he drove them out. That word drove in the Hebrew is garash. G-R-G-A-R-A-S-H. It implies to trust out, to put away. Don't forget, he planted them and put them there himself. In a contextual reading, to explain is that Adam disobeyed God's voice and that is synonymous to death. Because any man who did not obey his voice 
is on his way to death. There is no life in him. He's as see, let me tell you, a man who has not believed the gospel, if there is no life in the man, he is a walking dead man. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. See, let me tell you. That is why when Jesus will come back, they are not the meaning of perish means they will not exist again. That's perish. I mean, if you have watched all these Marvel movies where people erase out of existence, that is exactly what is going to happen. Because they did not have a life. Only a man who has believed the gospel has a life. So a man who has not believed, so that's why all those things that when people die, they say, we will see again. There are certain people who will not see you because they did not believe. They did not act into the voice. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that is why preaching the gospel is more important. Or else, you will have family members, you will have friends you are still with today and you will not see them again. Because they will perish. That's the truth. So, he said, he drove them out. Meaning a separation from God. A separation from his voice. A separation from his life. A separation from his spirit. And that drove him, drive, drive them out. That garage explains the consequences of Adam's action. Which is unbelief. Unbelief to God's voice. So when he says, to keep in verse, in, 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 um, he says in verse, uh, look at in verse Look at it, verse 24. It says he drove the man and placed them at the east of the garden of, of, of the Shurim, or it was which turned every way to keep. That word to keep there is from the Hebrew word shamar, S-H-A-M-A-R. It implies to take heed, to be aware of something. That is to see it. In other words, the essence of the angel in that context was to explain that. To guard the tree of life and shield them from it because they do not believe. It was to point man towards that tree of life. That is, it actually means that henceforth, the way shown to man is the tree of life. So when he says he put an angel in that place to keep, you know, look at it in verse 24. He says he drove man, he drove out the man. And we already said that's the consequences of man's action, right? Which is unbelief, garage. And he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubs and flaming sword. That cherub there just means angels, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. That is, they will point man now to the tree of life because they've missed it. Now it means that now that you have missed it, you will have to be pointed to it. That is why Jesus can come and tell you, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." No man commented to the Father, but by me. He used the word, I am the way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To point them, to keep the truth of the life. So it means that henceforth, the way to show, the way shown to man is the tree of life. In other words, man was to be aware of the tree of life that is the promise of God's salvation. So when he says the way, dear, the way there is from the Hebrew word direct, D-E-R-E-K, and it implies a direction. 
to show, to reveal. That is a distance, a journey. So when he says the way of the tree of life, is like it's better understood as the distance or the direction to the tree of life. So what Moses was teaching us is that Adam has already disobeyed. Now the direction of man is now towards the tree of life. So now every man is in search of salvation. There is something that God has placed in every man. And it's a search and a cry for religion. That is, God placed something in a man to search for him. To look for a way. That is why it seems like everybody is researching. Everybody wants to believe something. Everybody wants to do this. It is a search and a quest that God put in a man. So it's like saying, you will look for the way now. You are going to now be the one to choose. And I told you, I said, the thing, the dangerous thing about this is that thing called choice, that free will. That has been what has deceived and killed a lot of Christians. The independence. Oh, I don't want to serve God. I want to be an atheist. Oh, I don't want to be this. And God is never going to force anybody. I've had people ask me a question and say, why did God not, why can God not just decide for me? <laughs> he did not decide for Adam. How is he going to decide for you? Adam that he created with his own hands. You, you were born by your parents. <laughs> he did not decide for that one. He's now, he's now going to decide for you. No. It is a choice. You are going to choose. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? You are going to choose. So, it is a way, a direction that God has put in a man. And that direction must point to the way. Must point. That is why in Psalm 103 verse 7, look at Psalm 103 verse 7 quickly. Psalm 103 verse 7, my time is running fast and I have to explain something to you. Psalm 103 verse 7. It says, he has made known his ways unto Moses, his acts to the children of God. He says he has made known. He says his ways, which implies what you aim for or what you plan to do. He has made it known. That means like an intimacy, something intimately. So that uh, when he says he has made known or his ways, made known his ways unto Moses. Look at another statement in Genesis 4. Look at another statement in Genesis 4. It means something you have known intimately. Look at another statement in Genesis 4 where it says that, verse 1, where it says, Adam knew his wife, something intimately, known, knew. So it means that God has, so Adam has disobeyed. And God now has made sure that man will choose him. And to now hear his voice. So, look at in verse, look at what he now says in, in Psalm 96. Look at Psalm 96. Psalm 96, or 95, sorry. Psalm 95, verse 6. Psalm 95, verse 6. Are you following me this morning? Yes, He says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, and we are the sheep of his hand. Today, 
if you will hear what? His voice. If you will hear what? His voice. He says, adding not your heart, as in the day of provocation, even in the day of the temptation of the wilderness, which your father tempted me and proved me and saw my work. In as 40 years long, I was grieved with this generation, and he said, it is the people that do err in the heart, and they have not known my words, my ways. It's referring back to that ways again, that they've not, they've adding their hearts. So you see now, if you have missed that statement of way now, when you are coming to Genesis, to John, and Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. If you did not understand what Genesis was saying, you would have missed it there. You know many people just quote, I am the way, the truth and the life, and they don't know what it was really meaning. How if I see, I'm not going to get to what I'm saying now. So he's saying they did not, he says because they have not known my ways. So when Jesus now is coming to tell you, I am that way, are you seeing what he's saying now? Because he is the pointer. He's pointing us back to the tree. So anybody who has believed the gospel, they are being redirected to the garden of Eden. Moses' description. So you and I can say, because we have believed the, the gospel, we can say we are seated. That's why in Ephesians 2 it says we are seated in heavenly places. We are in the garden of Eden today. Because we have been redirected back to the way. If it makes sense, let me see your hands, guys. Let me see your hands. That was what the scripture is saying. So a man who has believed the gospel has known the ways of Christ. He has received him intimately. That's why it says we have received the spirit and the spirit dwells in us. He told us, I am the way, yes. the truth and the life. He now told us, no one come to me, but, no one comes to the Father, but by me. So, as we saw in that Genesis 3 verse 24, he says, the, he puts the angels there to show them the way. A pointer to the way. So that shows, anytime a man believes the gospel, he'll be redirected back to the garden. But you know what you thought? You thought that they put the changes to guide the place. No. Mm-hmm. That is it, you guided it. So, so we say, you cannot see the guardian of it. The angels are guiding it. Have you ever heard those things? Angels are guiding their whole sword. No. They are pointing men to the way. Meaning that Adam, if you believe the gospel, if you receive or believe the voice, you can still come back here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise that God. is what he's saying. He says, if you adding not your hearts. So a man who has believed the gospel, as look at it in Psalm 106. Psalm 106. He was talking about the children of Israel. Psalm 106, verse 6 to 25. Psalm 106. You will read down. Because of my time, I can't read it. If you read down, you will see our fathers understood not their wonders in Egypt. So that means if you have not read the wonders and the Red Sea story, look at that in verse 9, in Psalm 106 verse 9, where it says, he rebooked the Red Sea. If you have not read the Red Sea story in Exodus, you are not going to understand what Sam is saying. I'm not even seeing it now. You know that's not what David is saying. So you see that paying close attention to the scripture matters. Now look at him, verse 25. That is where I'm going to. Just put it down. Psalm 106, verse 6 to 25. Go read it when you get home. In verse 25, it says, They murmured in their tents 
and hearken not unto the words. So now, if you read the voice of the Lord now in the scripture, what is he saying? Believe the gospel. Hear my voice. So a man who has heard his voice believes the gospel. So, it shows to us that when we have heard his voice, we have been redirected to the way. We have been redirected to the way. That is why he now told us in that is why he told us so he told us in Deuteronomy 30, verse 32, verse 30. Look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 30. Deuteronomy 32, verse 30. Are you enjoying this, guys? Yes, sir. Is it making sense? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. All right. Deuteronomy 32, verse 20. Let's, use, let's see 20, sorry. 32, verse 20. He says... Look at another thing that was written here. And he said to them, I will hide my face from them. You know, this is what Adam did. He hid from God, right? Yes. Right, guys? Yes. He says, now, this is the Lord saying, he says, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their hand shall be. For they are a forward generation, children in whom there is no faith. He was talking about the children of Israel. He was using that narrative of Adam saying, I hid from the, thy voice. Meaning, because they have not believed the gospel, he has hidden from them. Are you getting what I'm saying? They've been hidden from him. So now, back to our Genesis 2. Let's try to start wrapping up for today. I will pick it up from here next week. I want us to see the word, the tree, in Genesis 2. Let's go back to Genesis 2. He told them, he said, in Genesis 2, if you read from 2 to 17, he said, he planted man, in verse 9, he says, for out of the ground made every tree and all of those things, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So when Moses was teaching about the tree of life, what was he explaining? He was teaching an historical account of a garden. You know, in a garden, there will be trees there because something is planted. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Now, because now, what is if I tell you go to that garden? What are you expecting to be there? Trees, flowers, trees, right? Mm-hmm. He's using that same narrative. We already saw that the garden is a physical place, right? Yes, that means it's a physical place, but he was using it to describe a spiritual reality, right? Yes, we saw light and darkness, a spiritual reality, right? So now he was also using that tree of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to explain a spiritual reality. Because in a garden, there will obviously be fruits. There will obviously be trees. So he was using an historical account to explain it to them. So now, to eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Moses was teaching them that it means an unbelief, a disobedience. An unbelief, a disobedience. And the tree of life means a belief. They have believed the gospel. The tree of life is a figurative of mass action and all of those things. I'm coming. I'm going to explain it now. So when it says the tree of and to eat of is a figurative expression of mass action. When it says they eat of, you know when you are eating, you are doing something. 
when you are when it says to eat of and the tree of is figurative of mass action that is faith and unbelief in god's word look at the taonomy 30 verse 14 to 20. the taonomy 30 let's let's push this home the taonomy 30 the taonomy the taonomy 30. are you enjoying this bible study is sweet right Right, guys? Yes, sir. Look at what it says. Don't forget, I said the tree of and to eat of is a figurative of mass action, right? Yes, that is faith and unbelief in God's word. That is unbelief to his promise, which results in so if they believe they have entered his promise, they've entered his rest, they've entered his light, right? Yes, and Unbelief is death, darkness, separation from God, right? Yes, so now, and I said that in Moses' explanation, Moses was teaching an historical account of Adam and the Garden of Eden, and we've seen the voice, right? Yes, we, we understand what the voice means now, right, guys? Yes, All right, now, let's look at the tree. Look at what it says in verse 14. It says, the word is 90. He used the word is 90. In thy mouth and in thy heart. That thou mayest do it. In verse 15, he says, I have set before thee this day good, this day life and good, death and evil. Can we say he's teaching them? Can we, can we say that what Moses is saying here is still saying what happened in Genesis? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the of good again. Now he's not communicating it better to them. He says he put before them life and good. Death and evil. In verse 16, it now says, But I command thee this day to love thy God and to walk in what? In his ways. You see that ways again? To keep his commandment and his statutes, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee. And that says, But if thou turn thy heart away, and thou will not hear, thou shalt be drawn away. They sent away, right? Sent away the garden, right? Garage, we, we explained it, right? Thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. And I said, I denounce you to this day that ye shall surely perish. So when you are seeing perish in John 3, 16, are you seeing where it's coming from? Are you seeing it, guys? When it says, they will perish. And I said, I denounce you this day that ye shall surely perish and that shall not prolong your days upon the land which thou goest. And I says, I call heaven and earth to record you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and causes. And I beg them. He said, therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Meaning, a man who does not believe the gospel will die. Death means he will not come back. You know, a believer is only sleeping. But a man who has not believed the gospel will die. Now, look at what he was saying. He now said, he told them he has set before them. Now, in verse 20, he now said, that thou mayest love the God and thou mayest obey his voice. Look at what it says again. You will obey his voice. So if you obey his voice, it says, thou mayest live unto him for his life, right? And the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land of the father and swear unto thy father, unto thy fathers and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and give them. So to obey the voice of the Lord, we already said his life, right? We already said his life, right? All right, now good. So what Moses was teaching the people and saying, obedience to that voice is life. 
Disobedience without voice is separation, is death. Are you seeing it now? Then he told them, he said, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is dead. And I said to you that it means faith and unbelief in God's word. And I told you to the tree of and to eat of is a figurative expression of man's action. Now look at something. We are getting there quickly. Look at Jeremiah 21 verse 8. Jeremiah 21 8. My time is fast spent. I'm trying to rush up because I want to get somewhere this morning. Jeremiah 21 8. Jeremiah 21 verse 8. In that sense, are you there? You should be there. Jeremiah 21 8. You should be there, right? Yes, sir. It says, And unto these people that thou say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of what? Life. Are you seeing the way again? Yes, the way of life and the way of what? Death. Death. So every preacher was repeating it. So without that, the book explaining Moses. You will understand the way, the death, the life, the voice. Are you seeing it? What is remaining now? The tree and, the, and all of those things, right? Guys, now look at Proverbs. Let's go and explain that. Proverbs 18.21 So the scripture will always explain itself. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it, guys? You have to be accustomed to the scriptures. Tell your neighbor, say, you have to be accustomed to the scriptures. You're not saying it like you mean it. You have to be accustomed to the scriptures. You have to. Alright. Look at Proverbs 28. Let's start from verse 20. We want to explain that trio because I told you it's figurative, right? When that's, that tree and all of those things is figurative, right? Yes, Guys, right? Yes, sir. Alright. Now, in verse 20, it says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And the increase of his lips, it shall be filled. In verse 21, he now said, Death and life is in what? Let's read together. Let's read it together. 21, let's start again. One, two, ready, go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they shall love it, shall eat the fruit thereof. No, you do not read it like you mean it. One, two, ready, go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, shall eat the fruit thereof. It says, Death and life are in what? And it now says, they that love it shall eat what? So that shows that the tongue was referring primarily to words, actions, mouth, words. And it now says, they will eat the fruit. I've told you. If you want to understand, you have to start from Genesis. So if you have missed what fruit is all about in Genesis, you will be thinking it is a physical fruit that Proverbs is talking about. Are you seeing it now? Now, if you read this place, does it look like a physical fruit? Yes, sir. I don't forget what I'm saying now. I don't know if you are understanding this. If you are understanding, let me see your hands. If you read this Proverb 18, verse 21, does it look like a physical fruit? It says, death and life are in your tongue, and they that eat it will do what? Eat the fruit. It says, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Look at Proverbs 6. Verse 17. Proverbs 6, verse 17. Proverbs 6, verse 17. We'll read down to... Uh, we'll, we'll read more. We'll, look at it. Are you there? 
He says, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Look at what he now says in verse 18. The art that deceived wicked imaginations, feet and sweet running to machine. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. To keep thee from evil woman, from flattering of the tongue of a strange woman. He used tongue there. And tongue in the book of Proverbs refers to words. Words. Look at Proverbs 10 verse 20. Proverbs 10 verse 20. It says, The tongue of the just is as the choice of silver, and the art of the wicked is little worth. Look at verse 31. Look at verse 31. It says, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, and the froward tongue shall be cut off. It now says, The lip of the righteous knows what is acceptable. And the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Are you following my are you following this? Look at Proverbs 12, verse 18 to 19. Proverbs 12, verse 18 to 19. You should be there. He says, There is, there is that speaketh light, the piercing of its sword, but the tongue of the wise is world is held. But the lips, look at what he says in verse 19, the lips of truth shall establish forever. But the lying tongue is for a moment. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 2. Proverbs 15, verse 2. It says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge upright, but the mouth of the fools are foolishness. Look at verse 4. It says, The awesome tongue is a what? Tree of life. The awesome tongue is a what? Tree of life. But perverseness therein is the bridge or is the bridge of the spirit. He used awesome tongue. That is, when they say something is awesome, is what? Complete. Complete good is what? In that sense, is the what? Tree of life. Genesis? Right? Right, guys? Yes. Alright. Look at Proverbs 17. Or Proverbs 16. Let's look at 16, verse 1. Look at Proverbs 16. The preparation. Of the heart in man, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Look at him, Proverbs 17, verse 4. A wicked doeth, a wicked doer giveth heed to false lips, and a liar giveth ear to the naughty tongue. In verse 20, he says, Look at verse 20. A fraud art findeth no good, but he that perverse tongue falleth into machine. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. There we were. He now says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So the power of the tongue refers to what? Words. So that is why he told them. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, as I begin to close. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. So, because, let me tell you, if they are eating a physical fruit and they will go and they went to the toilet, would this still have been counted as a sin? And it has left their system now. It can't be counted as a sin if they've eaten a physical fruit. So some people are saying it is apple. No, it is not apple. Some say it's a cashew. No, it's not cashew. Some say it is it is purple. It is mango. Different. They say the reason that fruit is bent is because 
That's the one Adam ate. Ah, ah. Different. They said, this is why I hear someone say, this is why mango has one thing beside. They said, that is, that's that fruit. Everybody have been saying, no, no. That is why he told them in Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. He says, the word is nigh thee. Even, he says, the word is nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. So when he says in Genesis 2, verse 16, that, when he says in Genesis 2, verse 16, let's go back there. Now, I'm going to explain more of this later. I'm going to show you what Jesus said. Jesus told them and said, if they had a fruit, would they not have gone to the toilet? Jesus said it. I'll show you next week. <laughs> Genesis 2, verse 16. He says, the Lord God commanded out of every tree of the garden that thou may believe, meaning that he gave them a choice. Are you seeing it now? So when he says they are what? When he says they act, it means a belief, an action, their mouth. So, when, what were they doing in the garden? It was not as if they were just looking and saying, this fruit. Now, look at it. Think of it somewhere. If I tell you and say, don't touch this speaker. You know, as I just mentioned the speaker, your mind will be like, let me touch it. Right? Yes. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So, well, that would mean that God was the one who tempted them to go and eat the fruit. If he, was, if he planted the fruit and said, guys, so, you know, that's what he thought. Guys, so, every tree in this place, eat it. But this one, don't eat it. And you know you, and he knows the human beings he created. If it was me, I, I would go and touch it. I would not be walking around the place every day. Like, I, I, what is so special about this one? They say I should not touch. And you know, that will now be the one that is now more, more beautiful. So probably they are just walking around it every day. You know, that's the picture that we are painted. That oh, they are just walking about it. They say we should not touch this one. They say we should not touch this one. So you even thought that serpent now came to speak. A lot of people think serpent now came to talk that the reason why serpent just used to ease and just lick his tongue is because he used to talk before, but Lord says he should not be talking again. What, what, what deceived us? What, what mystery is that? They say, they say, that's why anytime you see a snake now, the snake just eats. He's, he's still angry because of what the devil, what the Lord Jesus, so that I don't. He's still angry. <laughs> what is that? Sabbath has never spoken. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just like, let me tell you what was happening. Just like you get tempted in your heart to do things. In James 1, look at James 1. Just like you get tempted in your heart to do things. Look at James 1. Even the temptation of Jesus was physical. James 1. James 1. Verse 13. He says, let no man say he is tempted. I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. He now says, but every man is done what? Is tempted and is drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. 
it has been the same from the beginning. So they were enticed. It was a decision they made. So God did not plant a fruit and said, oh yeah, eat it, don't eat it, don't do this, no. What was happening was Moses was showing them a pictorial example that, see guys, they decided to disobey. Just like it is deliberate to pluck a tree and pluck a fruit and eat the fruit deliberately. And you get what I'm saying? You know, it takes an action for you to pluck it. Even I thought there was a tree. You plucked it. You washed it. You decided, I say, I will eat this. You decided. So they decided to disobey God's voice. And we are going to study more of this next week. And we will look at what really happened in the garden. So when God said, let there be light, his voice is still speaking. Hallelujah. His voice spoke in Genesis 1. His voice spoke in Genesis 2. His voice spoke and is still speaking today. So any man that hears the voice is in his light. What happened to Adam and Eve? They rejected God's light. They decided to walk in darkness. So when we are still preaching today, what are we doing? Let there be light. Hallelujah. When we share the gospel today, what are we saying to people? Let there be light. So that let there be light, I explained it to you last week and I'm still going to explain it more, is not a once and for all thing. It is a forever thing. So when I preach the gospel, what did I do? Let there be light. Hallelujah. So and when somebody rejects that light, what happens? Darkness. Death. Sin. Evil. Hallelujah. Blessed. Yes, Blessed. Yes, just lift your hands where you are and just worship God. Thank you for his word.